Kids, I want you to draw a picture of the ten lepers when they first find out that they are healed. Okay? Listen to the story. Draw your picture. And then we're going to use it later in the sermon today. All right. Does that sound good? All right. Doesn't sound so good. <laughs> Luke chapter 17, verse 11. Now, Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, and he traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And they went, and as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. Shout, right? He threw himself at Jesus' feet and and literally eucharisteoed, eucharisteoed him, thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked the question, we're not, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. The, the term leprosy was a wide-ranging term. They, they would use it for a wide range of skin diseases, anything from the bottom of the spectrum, uh, chicken pox, even though there wasn't chickenpox back in the first century or in the, you know, the time before Christ. I think chickenpox wasn't originally found until like the 17th century. But something along the lines analogous to chickenpox at the bottom of the spectrum, all the way up to Hansen's disease, which is what we associate with leprosy, you know, the rotting, necrotic limbs and, and fingers and, and so forth. Leprosy was a big deal. There are two to three chapters of the Old Testament, entire chapters that are devoted to to how do you handle somebody who is diagnosed with leprosy. And we read, it was an awful plight that they were subject to. Leviticus chapter 13, verse 45, we read there that, quote, any leper who has the disease must wear torn clothes, cover his, his or her upper lip, which cover their face, and cry out in a loud voice, unclean, unclean. Anyone who is diagnosed as a leper must live alone. He or she must live alone outside the camp. They must live basically in a state of quarantine, removed away from the community because the the fear, it was a very real fear, the disease might be communicable and could spread to others. I know that the Ebola virus hasn't been in the news, or at least I haven't heard of it in the news as much recently, thankfully, but uh, maybe that means... The Centers for Disease Control has a better grasp and, uh, on the, the Ebola virus. But, I mean, just think of the, the level of social ostracism that an Ebola patient in Africa must experience. I mean, how terrified people must be of them because they literally have inside of themselves death. Death is on you. Do not come into our village for for the stain and sting of death is, is upon you. Get away from this place. My guess is that every day in the life of a leper was, was similar to it. You know, the, the same isolation 
and sickness and loneliness that an Ebola patient suffers from today is what the, the leper suffered from uh, back in Jesus' time. Look with me in verse 11. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and he's already told his disciples that a cross, whatever a cross is, that's what awaits him in Jerusalem. He travels along the border between Samaria and Galilee, and as he goes into a village, he, he finds these ten, ten men separated from the village. You notice they're, they're at a, a distance away from the village, and they stand at a distance to, to Jesus. So uh, Leviticus chapter 13 is, is in effect here. But what I want you to notice is the subtle twist which occurs in the story. Did you ever catch this? And, and you need to know the Old Testament really to get it. Notice the subtle twist. Instead of crying out with a loud voice, the customary language of Leviticus, unclean, unclean. Instead, they cry out with a loud voice, have mercy. Kyrie eleison, master, have mercy. And I, I think this is a fact of the story which goes either unnoticed or underappreciated. This shift in their cry. Because when you say, Unclean, unclean, what you're saying is keep your distance because I am rejected. But when you say, son of God, have mercy, you're saying, whatever you do, please don't keep your distance. Come near to me and heal me. It's a beautiful, isn't that a beautiful picture of what's going on here? Beautiful touch. Then look at verse 14. Verse 14 is also another instance where you need to know something about the Old Testament to appreciate, where he says to them these words, go show yourselves, go show yourselves to the priest. Why would a leper who has uh, the sting, the stench of death covering their bodies, why would a leper go to the, the, the person who most embodies in the whole world, holiness? Now, I mean, you know anything about the Old Testament, you know that, that, The priest and holiness and worship can have no mixture with death and decay. Why would Jesus tell him to go see a priest? The two should have nothing to do with one another. Well, actually, it's again the book of Leviticus. Leviticus told lepers that once your, basically once your your condition was gone, once the, the sores had been healed, you must go find a priest and be inspected by a priest. You'll have a priest check you over. And if you are clean, then they will offer on your behalf a purification offering to celebrate your cleansing. And I think they would give you some type of certificate, which would enable you to reenter into society. But that, there's, here's again, this awesome twist. Jesus tells them, go show yourself to the priest. And they're not healed yet. They, they, they are 100% still a leper when they set out on their journey to, to, to find a priest. He doesn't, he doesn't touch them. He doesn't heal them. Their cure doesn't come until later in the story. We read the, we read the passage about the ten lepers, and we might do it at Thanksgiving, around the Thanksgiving dinner table, as this object lesson of gratitude and ingratitude. But really what this is, this is a story about beautiful, obedient faith. That's what it is. I mean, these guys, all they do is just take Jesus at his word. They have nothing to show for it when they take those first steps. They go walking, still lepers, trying to find somebody who they have no business being in the presence of. They have no business being in the presence of a priest, but they set out in obedience and hope 
believing that something, somehow, somewhere along the way is going to happen. Um, it's just another great little facet of, uh, that we would miss otherwise as we read through it. Okay. Well, let's see. How many of us have had something like, had this happen to us before? You're sitting at a desk or you're sitting in a chair. Maybe you're in class you're listening to a very long and boring lecture. You have your legs crossed, and some, maybe 30 minutes in or 40 minutes into the lecture, you find that you can't feel your foot anymore. Your foot has fallen to sleep. How many is that? Hasn't that happened to every one of us? But then the bell rings, and we have to stand up and try to walk on that foot that has fallen to sleep. Isn't that? That's a little. It's a little uncomfortable. Your first few steps are a little awkward. Now, how many of us have had both of our feet fall asleep at the same time? Is that even possible, to to lose both your feet? How many of us have had our legs from our knees down fall asleep, and we try to walk on them? You know, that's leprosy. That's leprosy. I mean, in leprosy, the nerve endings in your body no longer function. And you can no longer feel in your limbs. A leper, at least in the case of someone who suffers from advanced Hansen's disease, the nerves are so damaged, they're incapable of feeling hot or cold, smooth or rough, any of that. Um, And so I remember the very first time when I went to the dentist and I had cavities that were being filled by the dentist. He shot the inside of my mouth up with Novocaine, you know. Remember what that felt like when you got in the car to go home and you're sitting in the back seat? I remember distinctly thinking, where did this putty, where did this putty come from? I, never, I don't remember him putting any putty on the inside of my cheek. What is this? It kind of tastes like bubble gum. <laughs> and I started to chew <laughs> blood. My mom turns around and she's blood spurting out of my mouth because... Of course, it's dangerous to, to not be able to feel anything. Well, here we get. What a picture. Here is the picture. Ten rotting lepers heading down the road, dragging their bandaged limbs along the highway on legs that cannot feel anything, behind faces that are they're covered with head scarves, dragging their, their bodies down the road, this, this procession of the dead, Zombies in the Bible are right here. If I had a video board, what I could do right now is show you down through church history or uh, church art how different Christians have characterized, how they painted this image of of the motley crew as they head down the road in search of a priest. There are just so many imaginative um, ways of seeing this scene, and that's what I'd like you to do for just a minute. I want you to imagine and ask yourself this question. When on their journey, when did they find out that they were healed? How did they find out they were healed? When and how did this ever come to pass? The way that I've always imagined it, I've imagined that one of the lepers, he ends up tripping over his own feet, or he stumbles over a rock in the middle of the road. And what do we do when we're about to fall? We instinctively put our hands out and we brace ourselves for the, for the fall. This leper, he's, he's, about, he's about to go down and he has his hands out. And his hands hit the ground. And for the first time and as long as he can remember, he feels something. 
He feels something down there. He unwraps those bandages and, and there's no longer stumps. There are fingers once again. You know, the skin on a leper's hands, as I've read about it, it just gets all discolored and leathery and the fingers begin to fall off and they leave behind these little stumps of various lengths. But he unwraps it and he discovers, I have fingers again. I have fingernails again. Healthy, pink, purplish fingernails. I have soft, velvety skin on the back of my hand. No longer do I have the rotting, oozing sores. I, he, he turns his hand over and he's amazed. He sees a palm, a palm once again. This wonderful, amazing piece of soft tissue with palm lines going across it. He's just, he can't, he can't believe it. And what happens next? Try to get in your mind. What happens when the first leper realizes that he, he's healed. What does he do? What do the rest of them do? What is the sound that we hear? Oh, that we, I wish we could be there to hear. Was it, was it a scream? Was it a shout of joy? Was it a primordial, you know, guttural, Aah! from the depths of his soul? What did he do? Did he start shaking and, uh, involuntarily and violently as he just starts breaking out in huge sobs? Do they all shout? Do they all moan? What do you get your, can you get your mind, your, your imagination running for just a second? Imagine the scene, my friends, of ten lepers tearing off their bandages, throwing their bandages into the air, dancing, crying, shouting, twirling, jumping, skipping, leaping, shaking, staring dumbfounded at their skin, their clean skin. And the picture I have of them when it's all said and done is uh, you've got 10 naked men standing in the road. They've, I mean, wouldn't you want to just uncover every last inch of your body to, to find out that it was 10 naked men standing in the road, but they don't feel naked, do they? They feel like they're, they're being clothed for the very first time in a long time. I mean, what joy, what a sight. Um, Jim told me at the end of the first service that he has done some medical mission work in the past in Nepal. And he's been to a church where everyone in the church are former lepers. And he said, once they treat the lepers, what they do when they send them back into their villages is they send every one of them home with a cat. Every single one of them with a cat. So that, because the rats come at night and the rats the rats in the middle of the night will be chewing on their fingers and on their toes and on their legs and on their, their shoulders and they can't feel anything because they, they don't have any sensation whatsoever. But at this moment, for the first time in decades, in decades, they can finally feel it. Now, what I want you to do is if you have a child who's made a picture, let's look over their shoulder and uh, those of you who don't have a kid sitting next to you, you're going to miss out here, but... <laughs> I want you to look at the faces of the picture of these, these ten lepers when they are healed. You know how kids love to put names over, over their stick figures? All right, kids, what I want you to do is take that leper that's on the left, and I want you to write this name, D-A-D. And the next one in the line, I want you to write M-O-M. And the next one, I want you to write your name or your brother's name, or your sister's name, because this is us. Can't you see yourself in this, in this passage? This is the greatest, one of the greatest pictures of salvation in 
all of the Bible. Lepers undressing themselves, throwing away their old bandages with ludicrous joy. And I hope that you can see that this is us. This has got to be you. This is, I hope you can put the fourth leper in the row. You can put Pastor Brad over, <laughs> over that figure because, brothers and sisters, this is us. Um, I, I'm notoriously bad at writing sermon titles. And this week, I mean, they're normally bad, but this week's sermon title was one of the worst I've ever come up with. If you look in your thankless little lepers we are. That's what I thought I was going to preach on. I was going to preach how we're, we're all the, the nine lepers who never come back and say thank you, uh, a sermon about our ingratitude. And all of that's true. Isn't it true? Are we, are we truly appreciative of the salvation that we have in Christ? Appropriately so? Is, is any, of us, any one of us sufficiently grateful for what Jesus has done on our behalf? No, of course not. We've had, uh, from the earliest of our days, you think back to the time the day when you, uh, your mom forced you to write thank you cards after Christmas or after your birthday. You hated to write your thank you, thank you notes. I did too. There's something deep inside of every one of us that resists taking the amount of time necessary to go back and express appropriate thanks. Yes, I know, I'm a, I'm a thankless leper, but that is not the pa- that's not the focus of the passage. That's not what I want you to, to be thinking about for the rest of the day, about how ungrateful you are, and after all that God has done for you, this is the things that he gets in return. No, when you read the story, brothers and sisters, I just want you to see that, I want you to see yourself in one of the sweetest images in all of the Bible, describing your salvation, that you're a leprous man or woman who has taken Jesus at his word, you responded in faith, and you have been healed from death and decay. What an awesome Savior we have. Isn't this great? Do we not rejoice in a Savior, in a Redeemer, who is this majestic and and this good? Now, I don't think about my salvation in these terms frequently enough. No, not enough. But today I will. And today, you and I will. Uh, Today, we can get back into our cars and drive home and have this image in our minds to to carry with us of this picture of verse 15. Read it there with me. One of them, one of them, when he saw he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and he Eucharisteoed him. He, he Eucharisted him. He thanked him. Today we get to Eucharisteo. <laughs> you know, the, the predominant emotion that we f- should feel at the Lord's table is not this morbid, introspective self-flagellation of how I, I'm just not thankful enough or, or good enough. No, the, the, the emotion that we should be feeling here is just this buoyant leper thanks. And that God is so good to assemble you know, All Saints Presbyterian Church, uh, a leper colony, a cleansed leper colony, and assemble us to come around his table and, and celebrate Eucharist once every week. Uh, it's a celebration of gratitude. One day in seven, every Sunday, the leper colony gets back together to celebrate their cleansing. That's what, that's what it should be. Uh, brothers and sisters, obviously, uh, Jesus did not die on this table for you. He died on a cross outside the city walls of Jerusalem 
2,000 years ago. But this table is a a memorial of the fact that he died and rose for you. And remember that a memorial is not only for our benefit, but it's also for God's benefit. So remember how he said to Noah, I will put a rainbow in the sky and the rainbow will remind you and will remind me that I'm not going to flood the earth again. Well, the same way, this table is a reminder not only to us, but to him that he will never hold our sins against us ever again. And that the cleansing that he's He's begun, he will carry on to completion. Uh, We are a forgiven people through Jesus Christ. A forgiven, cleansed leper colony. And no, we're not grateful enough. But we're going to be grateful right now. (laughs) And the beauty, I'll close with this. You know, one of the great, wonderful uh, aspects of being a cleansed leper is not only did you get your sickness and your your pain and, and all of that stuff fixed, you were brought back into the community that you were isolated from. You were brought back into a community to worship. When Not only did your pain and physical suffering go away, but you were brought back into a group of people who could Eucharisteo God together. Thanks be to him. Amen.